Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Episode 2 of Game of Thrones, season, season 7. What do you want to talk about first? There was a lot to talk about, even though the episode kind of dragged. You know, it really did drag. I was I was getting disappointed right up until the end, because that battle scene did not drag at all. No, that was awesome. All of a sudden, it was like, the episode was like going, 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 and then it was like, ooh, 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 like Battle of Salamis. Here we go. This is awesome. Quick question. Did Euron get hit? a million times during that or was it just hard to tell who was who uh yes he got hit a million times he got whipped in the face so are we gonna find a bunch of times that he has some concussions cte (laughs) i was gonna say some extra imperviousness to being injured oh maybe yeah maybe the kraken kraken cannot be injured the same way that mortal men can be yeah, I'm kind of wondering if there's something going on with him. But it was also said, I heard in some reviews that I was listening to, because Monday is now pretty much exclusively read as many Game of Thrones reviews as possible, mm-hmm. that uh, the Unix won the week. Oh, yeah. Unix, like, staring down queens and engaging in a version of intercourse. Yeah, uh, that scene went on approximately 50% longer than it needed to. I know. <laughs> I know. And I don't know who her agent was, Masandi's agent, but wow, they did they did not do her any favors. I'm thinking <laughs> the director was just like really into it. I can't come up with any other explanation. That was a whole lot of Masandi. And what about the North? Lots going on with, with the Starks here and the, uh, the pseudo-Starks. Yeah, Starks and Snows. That was pretty good. Though, I mean, like... They were not up there at all. You also, I just have to say, should have put your brand bet on this week. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I was thinking that about halfway through this episode. I was like, this is what I thought the first episode yes. was going to be. Yeah. Except I had my betting on that wine pour <laughs> Yeah. over was really just like expecting something like that opening scene from, from last week. But yeah. yeah, no, I really thought that this week's episode was what was going to happen last week. All right, one more, one more person to discuss. What do you think of the um, the reunion of Wolf and Girl? First things first, I was I was happy that Hot Pie didn't choose to ever bother to call her by her real name, and he continued with Airy. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. We should probably we should probably just internally refer to it as Airy. Um, big fan of that reunion. Thought that that was great. Thought that that feels like a pretty realistic interaction with a dire wolf. It'd be like, okay, I'll let you live this time. <laughs> the uh, They went a little over on the CGI. I think, you know, normally when I'm watching mm. Game of Thrones, I don't feel like the CGI is going to be painfully obvious in 20 years. Like when you go back and watch Star Wars, you're like, wow, those special effects are, are dated. But I feel like we're going to think right. that when you watch... if. 
if in 20 years we happen to randomly turn on this episode of Game of Thrones, we'll be like, man, look at that wolf. Not realistic. That wolf, which was a husky that they made like 10 times the regular size. Yeah, exactly. And the rest of them were like Eastern wolves. So it just, it was, yeah, that was. That was weird. But too bad. She's gone. Namiria. I don't think she's gone. There's no way. You think she'll come back and like save Arya at some point? I think there's some, I would put a bet down on Bran warging into one more direwolf this season. Mm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say just Nymeria. I'm going to leave Ghost in there too. Will you take the bet that Bran, I say that Bran wargs into either Ghost or Nymeria? Into a direwolf. Uh-huh. So you're setting, you're setting this at 0.5, the over-under. Yeah, over-under is at 0.5. Bran warging into wolves, direwolves. Like, it seems kind of disrespectful, like kind of gross. To who? To like, I mean, to Summer. To like the memory John. of Summer. To John and to Arya and to Summer. Yeah, it's like cheating. Well, maybe that's why they wanted to distance Nymeria from Arya. All right, fine. I will take the under. <laughs> no, I don't want to pressure. Like... I don't want to pressure you into it. Just this season, season just, seven. Just this season. All right. Yeah, I'll take it. All right, we'll put I'll that take in there. It. So this week, Eric is going to answer a listener question and talk about replacing Michael Pineda. And then after the break, I'm going to answer a listener question and talk about replacing Pineda. So we have two sides of the same coin, although mine is a little bit more of a methods talk. Take it away, Eric. If you like Pineda coladas, getting caught with Tommy J. All right, I, I had the whole first sons of that uh done out with michael pineda but i don't think I'll, I'll go any further than that you went really far with this just looking at this this might be is that that's uh do you think that's 280 characters can you fit that in two tweets i could give it a try <laughs> you could give it a try yeah michael pineda so um he is going to get tommy john and that means that he's out for the season so a listener is requesting that we help him find a suitable replacement for Pineda. Here is the here's the request, basically. So um, we were asked, Pineda probably heading for a Tommy John surgery. And while he hasn't exactly been a star pitcher on my team, he provides some quality starts along with wins and Ks. Listener says, how should I go about looking to replace someone like Pineda? Uh, goes into his strategy. Um... Then asks, are there more specific stats or trends I should be following with guys, a.k.a. pitchers, for picking them up? Um, I'd rather not move into a streaming strategy unless I absolutely have to, etc., etc. So, MP, any quick thoughts replacing Michael Pineda? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that we're, we're going to see two sides of the same coin here. I would trend to looking at guys that fit the same... MLB profile is Michael Pineda. Yeah. If you're trying to fill that void, I'm a little bit less concerned about trying to replenish the fantasy stats in particular. I think that sometimes chasing those specific stats in when you're looking at replacement level guys can be a fool's errand, but looking for people that are have some of the underlying trends might be that idea. And I think in general that this is a good question because it's prescient. Thanks, <laughs> Pineda, for getting uh, TJ. Uh, it hurts me too. Um, 
Representative Pineda could be any mid-tier pitcher in applicable, asking how do I instead of who do I, which is really what we're trying to go for. We're teaching teaching people how to fish instead of catching fish for them, right? You know, something like that. <laughs> I do just want to give a shout out to our league trade of Pineda for Robertson that officially went nowhere. Everybody was pissed off at the end of that one. <laughs> All right, so our podcast presents a lot of tools, and knowing that there are tools out there is one thing, but critically thinking through how to apply them is another. This kind of reminds me a little bit of Sam attacking Dora's grayscale. He had the library, he had the tools to do the research, but ultimately he needed a subject to think and to put it all together. So this is what we're doing here. We've got an example, just like Dora's grayscale, we've got pina coladas. Pineda coladas, you know. So we've presented a lot of different tools that I think should be able to answer this listener's question. And we've presented a lot of tools, a lot of different research topics. These have stretched from comparing individual players to game theory. Um, I want to stick to the former and remind everyone of a few topics that we've covered. Pitching for war, the idea of fantasy wins above replacement. Pitching clusters, so identifying the pitcher archetypes this is a little bit of what mike was talking about add drop strategizing when and how to pick up players ownership models we've talked about ownership models a little bit less this year since the um since kind of draft time but ownership models are huge and then pitcher comparisons and capitching fishing missed that topic one of my favorites yeah we haven't talked about that in a little while either all that being said so we've as i said we've presented a bunch of different tools the spectrum so what should we really be using here in this specific battle michael pineda what does he bring to the table right now so he's at about 96 and a third innings pitched he's got eight wins a 4.39 era did you realize it was that high only after i did my analysis did not realize that in a gut check sense yep and a 1.29 whip so both of those are Really decent when you look at how many innings pitch he has, about 100. You know, not elite by any stretch of the imagination. But he does have 92 Ks, um, which results in an 8.6 K per nine. Um, He's got a 4.65 FIP right now. So that means that he's probably going to, if he had kept pitching, he might have regressed regressed in ERA. Um, He's only got a 1.96 walk per nine that's pretty good mm-hmm. only about two same with same with hits so he's kind of evenly dispersed not you know some pitchers you see are are walkers some are guys that don't walk anyone but give up a lot of hits taiwan walkers taiwan walkers yes <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> and then he had a 302 babip uh going into the tj surgery so that could have resulted in some progression all this to say this guy looks like he's around pitcher 70 pitcher 80 somewhere 70 to 80 um i took a look he's between dylan bundy and mike fulton nevich do either of these guys seem like i must have guys right now uh not based on how frequently they've been picked up and dropped on our waiver wire no and i would say that's probably uh across different waiver wires so that's kind of interesting because this is a guy that we talked about before the season as a 200k candidate right we talked about it on this very podcast that he was a 200 inning workhorse 200k guy and that was even before we thought that he was going to be on a good team yeah exactly that eight wins is actually probably the most surprising statistic of all of them i mean i could see that 4.39 era 
dog days of summer that probably would have gone down a touch mm-hmm. that whip would have stayed about the same that 92 k's over 96 innings probably would have stayed consistent he could have probably gotten up over 200 innings pitched 200 k's i mean that's that's a usable guy it's mm-hmm. a really usable mm-hmm. guy so when i did and when i took a look at the clusterings already immediately we've taken a look at at who the guy is and um i've looked at where he is on the waiver wire so i put him into the cluster that clustering algorithm and he's square in the middle of that second tier of starting pitchers so people that are usable most definitely and he was right in the middle of the strikeout heavy guys so the jeff samarjas dan straley's Gio gonzalez patrick corbin's jared eikoff's and mike fires three of those guys are literally on my team right now so you can tell how i feel about this strategy oh yeah he <laughs> how did how did panina not end up on your team i tried <laughs> believe me i tried <laughs> that's good yeah these are these are some these are some pitchers. All right, so how do we pick a replacement? And I want to kind of bat this around because if we mm-hmm. went into each one of these topics, we would take way too much time. But we've talked about the ad drop strategy. Last year, we spent a podcast. I feel like I was uh, enjoying Hawaii when we talked about this. Mm-hmm. But we talked about how looking at the last three weeks and up to four weeks for pitchers was a great great strategy for looking at the stats to get a good trend line going for what that player is going to look like so a number one look at the last 30 30 days 27 days etc number two validate with ownership because as soon as you sort by the over the last 30 days looking the best players out there you're going to see some junk some junk who, (laughs) who threw up what like they came up for a spot start and then had six perfect innings not six perfect innings but six innings with only a couple of walks and hits they're going to shoot up to the top because they just have nothing else so look at ownership because ownership is going to tell you who else believes in them vox populi Mm -hmm. as we like to talk about mike am i missing anything here with the first two anything that i'm characterizing poorly no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that you you use the ownership models to validate. You should not use those as your main reliance, but they tell you something, at least abstractly, about quantifying the realism in the last three to four weeks of stats. So now, one thing that I want to discuss is we sort of talked about this on the capitcher, the capitching, fitching, capitching, fishing talk. Sometimes K pitchers are guys that will have um, slightly higher ERAs, slightly higher whips. They like to throw hard and they like to try to strike guys out, which sometimes leads to sometimes leads to walks, sometimes leads to hits that that other pitchers just like more finesse guys wouldn't get. So if you're replacing a K pitcher, then look at the guys who are getting the Ks because that's the archetype that you're trying to fit. If you want to have your team work as smoothly as it was before, try to make sure that you look at that. You can discredit um, a little bit the ERA and WHIP side of things if you really want to replace those Ks. If your team is reliant on a guy coming in every single week and getting you seven Ks, try to find that. Mm-hmm. And then also the last thing that I'm just going to add in here: winning team. Yes, it's. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to deny that. And this late into the season, you really know something about what teams are going to get wins. You know, there's a reason that even fourth and fifth Astros and Dodgers starters, why Kenta Maeda continues to be owned. Yeah, absolutely. Even though he doesn't pitch every, like, third start. That's right. (laughs) 
so Mike, and then Mike is going to give us a little bit of look into the matchups. I look at matchups typically for the first two weeks out just to get a sense for whether I, the person is ever going to like you know catch root on my team. You know, you don't want to see that your your player is going to be hitting up the Cubs, then the Red Sox, and then it's going to have a trip to Colorado. If you see those are the first three starts, you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll try again <laughs> in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to set set up your ad drops for success. So, Mike, I've got here a screen grab from this person's um, league of guys that are I've already sorted out the last 30 days sorted out who's available any of these players um jump to mine <laughs> uh i have a lot of negative thoughts <laughs> right away yeah. do not pick up r.a dickie do not do not pick up animal sanchez <laughs> you know there's there's a lot of guys not to pick up but i there are some guys that i would be willing to roll the dice on here if you want a long-term future and you want somebody that matches pineda's pitcher profile then i would roll the dice on patrick corbin yep that's who i was thinking too patrick corbin not just because i literally rolled the dice on patrick corbin this week also (laughs) patrick corbin keeps just like sticking around like a freaking bad penny uh (laughs) i think that he's a and especially this is a matchup against atlanta i guess what tomorrow Mm -hmm. um so might not be able to pick him up in time for that but he's on a winning team that's getting better with J.D. Martinez. He has shown that he can strike out some guys. He's going to have a high whip, but if you're replacing Michael Pineda, then you you know what that's like. And I don't know. I think he has a good chance for some wins, some Ks. I would not weight him on wins. I This Diamondbacks team has not connected on that, so that would be my big knock in terms of if you're trying to replace Pineda with plugging Corbin in well I'm not saying that he has won a lot of games but I think Mm -hmm. that the team is better than average it's like better than picking up sure like I would I would say Luis Castillo that's exactly what I was just looking at (laughs) if he was on a team that was above above 500 I would pick him I would say go for Luis Castillo. That's going to be really interesting. But I mean, Luis Castillo, there you have the roster spot. That's exactly. What, that's the like, other thing. But but you don't. You're not going to get any wins. This is like Julio Tehran last year. It was like mm-hmm. he was <laughs> he was forecasted for like three wins. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would say I would say Patrick Corbin would be number my number one. Luis Castillo, if you really want to be fun, um, Ian Kennedy is going to be the guy that's like the last good option that you that you put in there i think that it's pretty funny that you say gallardo because i was i'm tempted but i don't know how many starts he's gonna actually get right yeah like that's gonna be that could be a wasted bad drop pickup right i do agree with that as well so cool we just gave some concrete advice but also you know held our nose a little bit there so don't don't take us too literally um but i think we both kind of agreed i mean for this listener especially if you can get patrick corbin go for it give it a try we don't always have a lot of editing to do this podcast but there is one thing that i persistently have to look for week to week i really need to get a mouse that isn't so loud quickly there, there will be times when I'm talking for a long period of time, and then I'll just... It'll just hear, like... Click, 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 click,
tells me like, what the hell's going on? Damn, what the fuck is he doing? It's like, it's like you've got like some side World of Warcraft raid going. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus, why does he have to click so much? So my segment on replacing Pineda is less of the formal replacement idea that we talked about in Eric's and more of a dialogue about this tool that I'm still developing to help connect players in a baseball sense, i.e. their best analog. So while Eric and I were talking about matchups in the most recent one, I want to look at guys that have the same or similar Major League Baseball profiles. And this means that we are finally officially drinking from the StatCast fire hose. About time. It turns out that if you ask the right person, you, you knock three times, you bring some sacred herbs. I'm just kidding, but it's actually really buried in some Byzantine network of folders on MLB.com's game day data. And I would be happy to guide other people to this. You can follow my lantern light as I spelunk in the caves. I mean, it's really dirty down there, I gotta say. I'm sure it's dirty down there. But though, I did like that the um, knock three times and stuff kind of reminds me of Python. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What is the wing speed of an African swallow? (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, now that I'm officially drinking the stack as fire hose, I, uh, I'm getting excited about looking, thinking of how players move. That's a little bit challenging. That might be the next mountain to, to climb once I've done a little bit here. So while we're drinking from the Stack S Fire Hose, I'm going to give list my version of the Pineda factoids. Eric gave you sort of the top-level view. I'm going to give you a little bit more of looking at what he's done on a start-by-start basis with some of the favorite metrics that we have discussed in the past. All right. One of my all-time favorite metrics, strike fraction. Yes. We look at Pineda, we see a little bit of scatter here, but he's still generally high. I'm actually surprised. I did not think Pineda was going to be this high. Though, look at that trend downwards. Do you think that is part of the injury that he had? If you look at his per-game whip, which is a very noisy metric normally, Mm -hmm. by eye, we can still suss out a smooth trend where that's clearly increasing, strike fraction's clearly decreasing. The thing that, another thing that troubles me that if you include one thing that we've often looked at as sort of another orthogonal dimension, pitches per batter, he is not particularly efficient. I don't really like to see that. I got to say, I, you know, really don't like to see guys above four and a half in any outing. Four and a half pitches per batter is a bad way to get. Well, so who else is at this level of like, so this looks like he's high, high three, low four. In pitches, yeah, pitches per batter. It's the same. It's the same guys. You know, it's it's interesting because it's the the guys that you listed as the analog. It's like the Dylan Bundys and Mike Fultoneviches. It's just that they don't have, and where this sort of falls short is that they don't have that Pineda upside of high strike fractions. Yeah. If you, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to put these in. Um, it's hard to relate these two to each other because when you look at this, you see that. Michael Pineda throws a lot of pitches to individual batters, and yet most of those <laughs> go for strikes. Now, so a lot of foul balls. I was curious about that, and so this other plot that I have mm-hmm. here that I actually was looking at for a stabilization purpose: the ratio of his looking strikeouts to called strikeouts. And so this gives you a sort of metric of whether guys are actually trying to bite on his pitches. And I tend to think that when guys are higher in this that they're actually inducing 
it's it's worse if they're inducing guys to look. It's better if they're inducing swings and misses. Uh, to me, you can you can feel free to disagree with that. Disagree with me on that. Pineda tends to throw a lot of pitches that guys swing at and miss. He's down at ten. Only ten percent of his Ks come from looking. Ninety percent by the end of this trend are from swing. Wow, wow! People just swing and miss. I guess that means that. There's a little bit of the catcher involved there as well. There's definitely a little bit of the catcher involved. But the thing that also corroborates this is that almost more than 50% of the runs that Pineda gives up are due to home runs. (laughs) Oh, that's tough. So again, it's Pineda to me is a really interesting analog case study because when you delve down to these individual plate appearances and look at this, you see a profile of a guy who doesn't have very good overall numbers necessarily. And that's what you were saying. You know, his his ERA is much higher than we expected. His whip is higher than you would hope for a consistently ownable player. He's definitely going to be hurting your your bottom line in both of those categories, at least where you'd like them to be in a given week. But you have to overlook that for a lot of the benefits. Right, but even even though he's he's at those numbers, at least you know that he's going to have... 200 innings over the course of the mm-hmm. year which is i mean it upticks a little bit all of the the you know the ca- the um, ratio stats but at the same time i mean it's really good to have that baseline sometimes a 4.29 era is you know a godsend <laughs> so I, there have been weeks that i've been like struggling to get back down to that that era <laughs> you, know, you know head to head yeah, that is very true, and I, I have I've watched that struggle happen. <laughs> oh, well, you watch it. You watch it. Part of my point here is that I'm not sure that my concept that I set out with is correct. I don't know that you can look at MLB peripherals and connect those to the fantasy guys that you'd want to pick up. Mm-hmm. That's really It's really tough, too. Yeah, so I think that while I would still an- do this analysis... And I have been doing this analysis when I pick guys up, at least looking at a lot of their peripheral stats. I don't think that you can tell the final story here. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I would say when I was looking at beyond just looking at those stats is that uh, with this tool, we can now scrape all the way down to Pineda's pitches and look at the pitch selection. This is a lot of information. And frankly, after I built this tool, I realized, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I don't know how I'm actually going to apply this. And I know that we've gotten into things where we're at least somewhat over our heads on this. And so I wanted to ask your input for what would be an interesting way to parse and organize this data. How do you compare pitchers? I've, you know, we've done in the past, at least the closer analysis, where we talked about guys who only throw fastballs, guys who only throw junk, and guys who throw in the middle. Can I do that with other pitchers? I don't see why not. You're seeing the the nascent stages of model development. <laughs> we've we've gathered all the data, and now we have to spend time thinking: What are we going to do with all this? <laughs> You're seeing the nascent stages <laughs> of two guys becoming obsessed with one specific thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is definitely some danger here. Uh, we've talked a little bit about, about pitch selection in the past though, and we've talked about strike percentage. Um, and so those are the two things that I'm planning on starting with, but I'm open to any suggestions. Yeah, sounds good. Would love to tackle any, um, listener questions 
but the bottom line for my section from Michael Pineda is that uh, my method doesn't appear to work in terms of developing comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that I act. I'm glad that I accidentally developed this tool in the meantime. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have too much on the Pineda replacement. All right. Well, you want to wrap this sucker up? I do. You're giving me a snapshot into what your phone has been telling you in the past week. Specifically one day when I look at my phone and all I see is breaking, breaking, breaking. The juice is loose. It's like, oh my God, what is happening with OJ? And then a little bit later, it's like breaking, breaking, breaking. Super important news. The Lincoln Park lead singer commits suicide. It's like, Apple, why are these the most important things that you think I need to know today? I probably, there were a thousand things that happened with President Trump that I should know about right now (laughs) (laughs) versus these two things. Do you think that they've applied some absurd machine learning algorithm that has decided that these are the things you need to know? Yeah. They're like, this guy likes sports and was a child in the late 90s and becoming an adolescent in the early 2000s. The question is, how long is it going to take for it to learn that, like, I don't care about Lincoln Park? Or corn. Presumably not long because they probably track your interaction time with those. Oh, true. <laughs> oh, and I don't send. Actually, I have it set so it doesn't send any of those those warnings back. To, oh well, then it's never going to get so. it. But what year? What year did they decide this is what we're going to say whenever he gets released? <laughs> oh yeah, no, they knew. They knew <laughs> years ago that that would be the headline. All right, so a couple of MLB topics might as well. I mean, this is a baseball podcast. Trades. We, I think it got cut for time, but we talked a little bit about Todd Frazier, and you poo-pooed the idea that Todd Frazier was going to move, and specifically my hope that he was going to move to my Boston Red Sox. And then he moved just down the I-95 corridor to the rival Yankees. How do you feel about that? Well, I got to say that this is one of those very bittersweet moments that we talk about as both fantasy and real baseball lovers because objectively this is probably a better move for him in fantasy but (laughs) by oh watching him beat your team is going to be pretty rough i would have preferred to see him do this as the cleanup hitter for the red sox Mm -hmm. but um you know if he's going to prove himself by being the corner infielder for the Yankees. He is from New Jersey, so he will not be back on my team next year. <laughs> All right. 1 to 10 level of surprise that Clayton Kershaw's back on the DL. Mm, 2. Yeah. <laughs> that it felt preordained. Do you think that they should just tell him to take the month of August off every year? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they should <laughs> I mean especially Considering this year that they've been like using the DL for every every pitcher to mm-hmm. get like a six man a pseudo six man rotation, if not seven, holy shit! How many pitchers do they have in it's that rotation? Crazy. But uh, after last year, I don't blame them for taking a little bit of extra time. Yep. Let's talk about Carlos Correa and how we cursed him. <laughs> we absolutely cursed him. You know, it's funny. It was like a, it was like a slow burn curse because we were like. A couple of weeks ago, we were like, man, Carlos Correa is good, and we never talk about him on the pod. We got to talk about him. And then we talk about him. I know. Boom. Out. Boom. Done. Poor guy. And and fantasy focus using my machadoing. Yes. Very upset about that. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking about that, too. 
Uh, yeah, but poor Carlos Correa, we wish him well. Uh, we don't wish his owner well in our mm-hmm. league, but, you know, good guy. Can't trust him. <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the review session. Bison? Mike, I'm going to let you start because I want to hear what you think about eating bison. When I was about 10, we took a family vacation to South Dakota and family vacations of my family mean you pack in a minivan for two weeks and, and spend literally two weeks exploring some state. You run out of stuff to do pretty quick. But one of the things that we did end up doing was riding in the back of a covered wagon and hand feeding bison. Wow. And ever since then, I've loved to eat them. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I don't know if you thought that that story was going to be and then I could never eat them after that. No, no. No, I'm a huge bison fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you're letting it eat out of your hand. You're like, mm, I wonder what you taste like. <laughs> Later, we will do this the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. <laughs> so I, I cannot really taste the difference between bison and cow. In the wow, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, I can't. Sure, I can't really just like my mouth can't taste the difference, but a lot less marbled, mm-hmm. a lot leaner meat, mm-hmm. a lot you know, a little bit more. There's always like a little bit more of a smoky flavor mm-hmm. to to a bison when it's cooked. The mouth feel is slightly different, I guess, maybe, uh, but really the taste exact same to me i don't think that's true i think that with the leaner meat that you that you can you can accompany the flavor in much more subtle ways oh wow look at this i'm just wondering are you are you saying that you only buy 93 7 and up ground beef are you too proud to get the 85 15 i mean i thought 93 7 was slumming it is there (laughs) really something below that Well, maybe maybe that explains a little bit of it. Who knew that we were going to get a big elitist reveal on on beef? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I know. I mean, my my family, yeah, my mom would slum it for with a ninety ten mix. Dude, eighty five fifteens all the way. Okay, so that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, I was definitely more of a uh, a uh, leaner meats kind of kind of guy growing up. It does definitely taste different than like a ribeye. Mm. A ribeye and a bison steak are mm. going to taste very, very different. Oh, man, this is making me hungry. Yeah, could be snack time. All right. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up. <laughs> uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're select to you, buddy. We're select to you, too.